KJOL. This is a special bonus episode of Jackson Unpacked, our weekly podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. I'm news director Kyle Mackey. This summer, we're excited to share our recent limited podcast series called Facets, Voices of the Mountain Life, created in partnership with STEO in the Jackson Unpacked feed. In five episodes, Facets explores the passions, tensions, and healing that people find while living in a mountain town. Today, we continue with episode three, Healing Outdoors. Welcome to Facets. This new limited podcast series created by KHOL and STEO features stories told by original voices of the mountain life. Educators, athletes, entrepreneurs, laborers, scientists, and ski bums drawn to live in the mountains shed light on the many aspects of humans living close to nature. In five episodes, Facets explores the passions, tensions, and healing that people find while living in a mountain town. In this episode, KHOL's Kyle Mackey reports on how Red Top Meadows is using wilderness experiences to help teenage boys from across Wyoming find success and heal from trauma. Two skulls greet us when we walk into the empty camp. The bones belong to elk, and one figure has been assembled as a kind of totem, overlooking the camp's fire circle and cooking area. Later on, we meet up with a group of teenage boys who collected and named the bones, and whom we find with a third skull now in tow. So we got Etna, Thane, and Afton. Yep, new collection. <laughs> this is Afton? Yep. Can you describe what Afton looks like? Um, Mossy and old, and the biggest skull that we have so far, I think. Yeah, About big. two feet long. <laughs> two feet long. The skulls are named after towns in Star Valley, about an hour south of Jackson in western Wyoming, because that's where some of this group is from. But all of the middle and high school-aged boys out on the trail today are currently living at Red Top Meadows, a residential treatment center located on a narrow, winding road about halfway between the towns of Wilson and Hoback. The kids are far out in the wilderness. They're on a 20-acre piece of property that backs up to... Um, National Forest, and we use that as their playground. Sarah Cavallero is executive director of Teton Youth and Family Services, the nonprofit organization that runs Red Top. It's a rustic program, so there's no video games, there's no TVs. Your cell phone doesn't work out there, so you have to call a landline. Like, it's pretty basic and goes back to, you know, simplifying life. Unlike the group home and crisis center that Teton Youth and Family Services also operates, Red Top Meadows is not a voluntary program. Most of the boys, and the center only treats boys aged 12 to 17, are either here because they got into trouble with the law or because things aren't working out at their home school district. Typically, those kids are adjudicated youth, so they've done They've had some sort of behavioral issue that, or committed some sort of crime that has gotten them where they are, or they could be a school placement. So the school can no longer serve them for behavior issues, for academic, for a variety of reasons. So the school would make a placement with us. Some of the students are on a delinquency petition, meaning they acted out in a way that broke the law. 
More serious offenses could land them in the state-run Wyoming Boys School, a locked facility about a half hour north of Thermopolis, or a juvenile detention center. And Wyoming can be a harsh place for kids who get into trouble. Federal data shows that the Cowboy State has long incarcerated juveniles at the highest rate in the country. Wyoming also has one of the nation's highest youth suicide rates. Redtop is unique among the state's residential treatment centers and different from many across the country because it integrates therapeutic wilderness experiences into the program. Experiences like this week's fall wilderness trip, or Wildy in Redtop slang. The campsite with the bones is the boys' home base for a six-day, five-night trail maintenance project in partnership with the Bridger Teton National Forest. I hiked out with Teddy Nichols, Red Top's wilderness director, and overall director Tom Concannon to meet the group, starting with a short car ride from the center to the Munger Mountain North Trailhead. Tom, once again, surprised about the lack of snow on this side this morning. What's that? So the theme is community contributor, and how do you be a, a positive member to a community is the theme of this trip. And uh, these trails are such a great opportunity for our guys to have the metaphor of community uh, brought brought to them just basically by a multi-use trail system. You know, these trails are becoming more and more popular every year, and you know, it's the mountain bikers, it's trail runners, dog walkers, horseback riders. Dirt bikes, cycles, you know. Yeah. And so, the part that. about this one is that the kids use these trails themselves, and they also interact with all the other users when they're out here mountain biking or hiking. So, it really brings home that sense of community service. The Red Top program helped build a lot of the Munger Mountain Trail system, where the current group of nine students is working this week. That includes Connor, James, Bevan, and Sam. We're only using first names in this episode in order to protect the boys' privacy. Well, how's work going today? Tiring. Cold, but productive. Yeah, we've gotten quite a bit done already, so yeah. There's not that much to do because there's not a lot of trees to cut. It's mostly just trimming. And when it comes to trimming, it's not that hard. When you're sawing, it takes a little while. Have, have any of you done this kind of trail maintenance before? Uh, no, not really. I've used the tools. I just haven't done trail maintenance. I've done trail work a couple times when I was living with my dad for a while. So I've known how to do it for a while. I'm more of a, I'm more of a pickaxe kid and a chucking kid. I like to chuck rocks and stuff, but... Yeah, that's all I've been doing lately. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck just doesn't like throwing them? What is that? I have, like, I just grab the stuff off the trail and throw them off. <laughs> He's okay. our mover. He moves the sticks as we cut them. So, okay, gotcha. so they're not, yeah. so we're not just leaving them right in the middle of the trail for bikers to pop, pop their tires or biff it, which yeah. would suck. A trip yeah. or just, exactly, yeah. for runners like me to trip on, yeah. even though I always trip anyway. Definitely, like, from the outside or from, like, what I had heard about Red Top, from other people, I sort of expected it to be like a more intimidating community and be like just feel more intense, feel like kind of high stakes, like afraid to say the wrong thing or. Eliza Merritt is one of Red Top's child care staffers out on Fall Wildy with a group. She's pretty new to her job when we talk, just about a month in. And I have to admit that I was also a little nervous going into this project. Would I be scared by these kids, some of whom have committed crimes? Would I be out of place as a woman? Would they refuse to talk to me? 
But like Merritt, my doubts started melting away about as soon as I met the group. I'm like just so impressed with how welcoming all the guys are have been to me um, and all the staff too. It just has felt like pretty comfortable from the beginning for me, which is awesome because that's like a hard thing of any new job. Both Cavallero and Concanon worked at Red Top in their 20s, starting out as childcare staff themselves. That's a role that's not an official teacher, but someone who's around to help both supervise students and help them pursue healthy choices and relationships. Cavallero says it's pretty common for young outdoor enthusiasts to fall into working at Red Top, and also that their passion for an active lifestyle helps make the program a success. Typically, when you move to town, you're looking at the ski resort and kind of the more outdoor. I did. That's what I was looking for. And I think that when you start looking at Red Top, you're like, wow, this fits my values. You know, like we're teaching kids how to ski and do like all the things that I moved here for. Like we're mountain biking with them. We're teaching them how to fly fish. Like it's all really fun stuff to do with them. That then gives them these also these same life skills and reasons why we all live here, too. That's not to say the work isn't challenging. It definitely is. But Red Top Education Director Wesley Gable Patterson says the opportunity to make an impact on students' lives here is unmatched. It's easy teaching a group of students that come from you know, affluent families, their parents both went to college, their parents have good income, the student has three steady meals every day, they're getting attention across the board. We're at Red Top, a lot of our students, they don't have that support from their families and they've kind of fell into some bad influences and developed a lot of um, tough behaviors. And I guess kind of the part of the draw of working at Red Top would just be you can see really big change with a student just within, you know, six months. The average length of stay at Red Top is about a year, and the maximum capacity of the center is just 14 students. That means the staff-to-student ratio is much higher than they're used to in public school, and the boys catch up an average of two grade levels during their time in the program. In addition to being the administrator for Red Top's accredited school, this year, Gable Patterson is teaching several different levels of math and personal finance. Discussion question number one. Have you ever written a budget? Yeah. No. No. Wait, what? Who can, all right, I'll I'll just kind of cheat on this and change the question. What were, raise your hand, what was an element of, or a way to describe... In the classroom next door, Siri Bergmoberg teaches language arts. um, Right now, I want to just kind of do like a whip around, like a quick round table of, give me one thing that you found in the story, one literary device, and I'm going to like write the quote on it, write the quote on the board, and notate it. Um, And then we're going to go from there. So Gavin, give me one. Um, Similarly. It says, they turn on themselves like a feverish wheel. Okay, they turn on themselves like a feverish wheel. No, we have to read it like him. They turn on themselves like a feverish wheel. Red Top teachers work a more regular weekday schedule than childcare staff, but they also sometimes join in on the Wildies to ensure that their relationships with students extend beyond the classroom. Back on the trail, Tim Ferriss is directing the boys as they cut back brush in an area called Tusky Ridge. 
Ferris is Trails and Wilderness Supervisor for the Jackson Ranger District of the Bridger Teton National Forest. And he's been working on the fall wildy with Red Top since 2006. It's just really cool to see, like, some of the kids really gel with this stuff. And they start realizing, like, I could do this, like, as a living. Um, I'm like, yeah, like, working in the Forest Service or BLM or Park Service or any of those kind of the agencies and doing service work and stuff like that. And a lot of them, this is their first taste of that. Ferris also says he's learned from personal experience that the woods can be a good teacher. It's a very kind of hard reality, right? So, like, if you decide, you know, that you aren't going to keep your clothes dry or you decide that, you know, you're not going to keep your tent in order or, or, you know, your food or, like, your stuff, like, you learn very quickly (laughs) that, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And um, when you make good choices in the woods, then you can have a really good time. When you make poor choices, it can go south pretty quick. And, and then you're cold and wet and out in the middle of the woods. <laughs> so, um, and I just think it's such a cool concept, um, you know, to take youth that are struggling um, for whatever reason and just kind of bring them out and show them the, show them the mountains, show them the beauty and the simpleness and uh, the quiet and the peace and, and just sort of like have that kind of rooted in them as they grow up. I think that can do a lot for them. During a work break, I asked some of the boys if they liked being out camping. Keep in mind that the Wildy happened to coincide with the first really cold week and snowfall of the season. I broke out my ski bib for the day, even though it's October. Uh, Yeah, it's fun, but when when you wake up and it's freezing cold in the morning and you gotta put on everything, it's not very fun. It gets cold. Yeah, it sucks when you have to put on all your gear to keep warm and have to take it all off at night. That's probably the worst part. Yeah, hard to stay warm. Saw you had a fire this morning, though. Uh, yeah, we had we had one big giant log on there. It was smoking in the morning, and we started it because all our hands were freezing cold after breakfast. I just went back to my sleeping bag and was like, yeah, you guys can stay in the snow. I'm staying in here. <laughs> it's warm. Does anybody want to talk about We also it? talked about what it was like for the boys to adjust to living at Red Top. As you'll hear, some of them were in other facilities before, meaning somewhere else in Wyoming's juvenile justice system. Bevan and James go first. Because I was super nervous when I found out I had to come to Red Top. And I was super scared to come, but then I got pretty comfortable. Now I really like it there. What made you scared about coming here? Um, it's my first facility. And um, it, it was different from how I grew up and was living before Red Top, so I kind—I was kind of scared of change. So I kind of have to get used to that still, but uh, it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. My, my first impression was, uh, like, this is my first facility, but from what I've heard from other people about facilities, this is a pretty great one. It's, it has a lot of freedoms, but if we abuse those freedoms, we can get ourselves in pretty big trouble. So, what about you, Connor? You said you've been here since July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since July. Um, I mean, this is my second facility, and this this one's way closer to home, so I felt a little bit more comfortable. And I've been to Jackson quite a bit, so I kind of knew the area. But in my last facility, I was like totally like lost and just like super. I just felt super alone. But coming here, I felt pretty welcomed, and um, the kids are super like supportive and. Um, they're just here for you to like talk to and staff to and 
it's just a really healthy atmosphere and it's a really good one. To Wyoming make. Public Media has a podcast called Cowboy Up, all about issues with yeah. the state's juvenile justice system, if you want to learn more. But suffice to say that this is not how you generally hear Wyoming youth talk about their experiences in other facilities like the boys' school. It's also really hard to track what kind of services statewide are actually helping struggling youth, because right now, pretty much everyone in the system is just counted as incarcerated. Cavallero explains. So kids that are in our group home level of care are being counted as incarcerated. Kids that are in foster care are being counted as incarcerated. In other states, that's not the case. So you go to another state, they only count the kids that go to juvenile detention as incarcerated. So we don't count the same. That means the students at Red Top also count as being incarcerated, even though it's not a locked facility. And there's actually a bill waiting to be signed by the governor as of press time that would change that, specifically excluding residential treatment centers from detention statistics. The bill would also require the Wyoming Department of Family Services to create a database and standardize statewide system for collecting juvenile justice data, which doesn't currently exist. Sitting in his office a couple of months after the fall wildy, with three new feet of snow on the ground outside, I asked Red Top director Tom Concanon about the heat that Wyoming's juvenile justice system gets and why it's so important for a place like Red Top to exist. Many people in the general population would like for treatment to be very quick. The reality is these are kids who have experienced a lot of very difficult things in their lives. It's been happening for most of their lives. To change that, it doesn't happen in three months. Okay, so our approach it takes these kids who are on the edge of not just failure and not just you know criminal lifestyle, but also um, suicidality and helps them to change the way that they see themselves and helps them to change the way they perceive the world around them. 85% of students who complete the Red Top program don't have to go on to a higher standard of care within the first year of going home, according to Teton Youth and Family Services. But Concanon says fewer and fewer students have been getting placed at Red Top over the past several years, a period that coincides with repeated state budget cuts for human services and mental health programs. Basically for the past four years, most of the time we're not full. And so that affects our financial well-being, obviously, because we get a per diem for every kid who's placed. Uh, and the other side of that is I, I don't believe that all of the children in Wyoming are, are cured. Um, I, I think the need is still out there, and I'm not sure where those kids are going and, and what kind of help they're getting. I wasn't really much of a social kid. Sam is one of the Red Top students I met on the Fall Wildy. Socializing was a little questioning for me because I never really understood. Like, I wanted to socialize, never really knew what to talk about. But then coming here, there's a lot of, like, throughout the time, it's been easier because they've been, get, like, helping me understand a little bit better about how to talk to, and communicate around others. Sam also says, like many of the other boys, that the wilderness part of the Red Top program has probably made some of the biggest impacts on him. He got to the center just before the longest wildy of the year, a 24-day summer backpacking trip that traverses the entire length of the Tetons, about 120 miles. 
It was just a very fun experience. Lots of cool things to see. There was once when we got to see like fog coming over the hills and over trees. And it was just, it was a very amazing experience. Sam's learning a lesson that many of us in the Tetons understand. We feel better when we get outside. But why is that? Rachel Mackey is a primary clinician at Red Top. No relation to me, by the way, though we share the same last name. Mackey provides individual and group therapy for the boys and has a background in outdoor education. Well, I think there's an inherent connection that we have to the natural world. In like our very Western culture, we're shut off to it most of the time. But when we can allow ourselves to step outside and make connection with the ground beneath us, the trees around us, the bird song, whatever it is, that helps to regulate our nervous system just naturally. And then as we start to add movement to that, that really starts to help regulate our nervous system. When we're moving outside, when we're feeling a sense of connection to something outside of ourselves, that can start to help calm and heal in a way that we just don't get when we're just sitting in a room talking. Not to downplay the sitting in a room talking, that's my whole job, right? But I would even say that even in this space, like you'll notice there's lots of toys, there's a trampoline, there's a balance board. Like I don't, most of what I do is experiential rather than just sit and talk. That, that works better for adults than it does for younger people. Many of the students at Red Top are coping with interpersonal or relational trauma damage caused either intentionally or unintentionally by primary caregivers through things like neglect, abuse, or sexual abuse. Those patterns of behavior are often repeated down through generations, but Mackie says the teenage years provide a unique window to disrupt the cycle. I'm drawn to young people because I think they're at a point in their lives where their trauma is present, but it might not be all-consuming. I think the students that we work with here they have such immense amounts of trauma in their lives that it has become somewhat consuming for them. And so, but they're not to the point in their lives where they're adults and they're so maybe concrete in their ways. There seems to be a little bit more flexibility. There's still play. That's one of the really things that I love about teenagers is there's still this creativity and sense of play and joy that comes with it. Whereas adults, sometimes we start to feel ashamed of that sense of play as we hide it but not with teenagers. And even if they feel it, they can quickly get out of it and into their playful selves. And it makes it makes the healing journey, I think, a lot more fun. I'm thinking about the pure joy and absurdity of the bone sculptures at the boys' fall camp while Mackie's talking. I can also hear evidence of the progress she's making with the students, how she's helping them learn to process trauma through my conversations with the teens. Hunter and I talked on a Friday in January when I joined the group for an afternoon of skiing. We were touring uphill, hence yeah, the heavy yeah, breathing. Definitely. Since I've been here, I've been able to open up more about my feelings and everything. Been able to open up more about my feelings and and my behavior and about my behaviors and stuff. Well, that's really impressive. That's not easy to do. Uh uh-uh. uh. It made me feel feel a whole lot lighter being able to get. Best stuff off my chest. I won't forget him saying that. Everyone needs to get burdens off of our chest sometimes. And how often do we take for granted having someone who will listen? On the same ski day, I chat with Gavin. He's been at Red Top for about a year and is getting ready to go home the following week. So Gavin, can I ask you, when you got to Red Top, how did you feel about being here? Um, like in the program? 
at first it was kind of I was like kind of shocked I was like I don't want to be here I kind of had the mindset of just working on stuff I like red top in my opinion it's like the best program out there like I was at the boys school for a while and there it's like their kind of philosophy and mentality is like how to control your behaviors and not how to change them huh. here's like how to change them and control them and so that's why I think this one's the best I've learned a lot here well I'm really glad to hear you've had a positive experience yeah it can't have been easy oh no it was it was rough I mean I've had my bad days definitely been months that I've like I just kind of get bad news over and over again but I mean at the time I look back at it now and I feel like the way I reacted should have been better than the way I did react. And so it's like kind of however you react to it is the outcome of that situation. So. That's true. Don't they say something like you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it or yep. something like that. Yep. But that's easier said than done. Oh yeah. It's a, yeah. It's way easier said than done. There's a lot of like my whole family situation. It's rough. Um, and it's just like, staff have told me that like, you know, all I gotta do is not let it affect me in my program, continue doing what I'm doing. It's easier said than done. Definitely have bad days. Right. But it's like, make it easier to the point of where you can look at it a different perspective of like, kind of this is happening for a reason and it's like helping me out to become a better person. And that's kind of where I was at when I first came. And when a lot of stuff happened, I mean, I've screwed up a lot but Red Top's all about chances and then when they give you a chance, it's up to you whether or not you want to take it. And so, in my opinion, I keep on taking the chances. I mean, I'm always gonna mess up. That's never gonna change. Everybody always messes up. But it just depends on whether or not you want to learn from it. What started as a gray day has mostly cleared to sunshine by the time we top out on a ridge. From here, we have a 360-degree view of the Tetons, Grovant, and more. Concannon takes the opportunity to quiz the boys on the local mountain ranges. So, who can name mountain ranges for them? Um, Taylor's right there. What mountain range is Taylor a part of? <laughs> Anyone? Bevan? Mount Everest. Yeah. Come out here. Nope. Okay, who can tell me that mountain range over there? Tetons. Tetons. That's the Tetons. This, including Taylor. Nestled on the valley floor, we can also make out the Red Top campus below us. Once our transition's complete, it's time to ski down and go home. For KHOL and Steo, I'm Kyle Mackey. This episode was made in collaboration with Steo, stewards of the mountain life. This episode was reported and produced by Kyle Mackey with editorial and production support from Will Walkie and Emily Cohen. It contained original music scoring by Sheena and Jacob Ferguson. Creative direction and executive production provided by Steo's Liz Barrett and Jesse Vanderlinden. Facets logo design by Kika McFarland.